Lamentations chapter 3, starting at verse 37. Verse 37. Who has spoken, and it came to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? It is not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come. Why should a living man complain, a man, about the punishment of his sins? Let's pray. Father, thank you we can preach from your word. Thank you for the sacred scriptures. Thank you that the authoritative word and in them is life. Thank you your word is alive, that your word is there to, to help us, to strengthen us. But it's there to also rebuke us, correct us, and convict us of our sin, so that we can walk on this narrow road, trusting you. Have mercy upon me now, Father, as I come to worship you and preach. Help me to be faithful, help me to be sound and clear, and give us all ears to listen, Father. Help me, please. And I thank you again, Father, for your word. Thank you that you have your word, that we have your word to help us, to guide us through this fallen world. Be merciful to me now, Father. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, we preached on, say, part one, on the sovereignty of God, a topical sermon, and we're going to continue now this morning. And we'll come to our second essential um, point to help us to put back our confidence in the sovereignty of God. And the question I asked last week was, do you believe in the sovereignty of God? Do we believe that God is sovereign over everything that is both the good and the bad in this world, even over our lives? Or do we believe that bad things don't come from God? That these things are not only beyond our control, but also beyond God's control? That these things happen by chance? That only good things can come from God, but not bad things? And that is not the way, as Christians, we should talk about God's sovereignty. Or speak about God's sovereignty. We should know that our God is sovereign, He is King, and He reigns supreme. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's the one that created the heavens and the earth, which gives Him the right to rule as King. It gives Him the right to rule as He pleases. Scripture says, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. God is not a killjoy God. He doesn't just sit there in heaven and, and, and allow evil to come for evil. When evil comes upon this world, it is for His good and our good. And we'll look at that more. But we need to know that God is in charge. God is sovereign over this world and that should bring great comfort to our hearts. To know that our God is sovereign. Sovereign over every detail of our life. This is a wonderful story and we will see God's sovereignty. How it worked in this man's life. 
But it started off with God's common grace in his life, then it became saving grace, and we see how God was sovereign, even over him as an unbeliever, to the point where God saved him. And this man's name was Danny Crock. Danny Crock was an ex-boxer. And he loved to drink. He loved to fight. He would go to the bars and have too many drinks and get into fights. And one evening he left the bar drunk. And driving home, there was, it was raining and he could see lights in the, in the distance and everything was like a blur. And there was someone waving a light and he ignored it. Then he felt his car hit something and then he crashed into the side of the road. Police took him to the police station. There at the police station he was told that he had knocked over a cop and killed him. That man was trying to slow the cars down because there was an accident. And he also found out that that man he killed, that policeman, was his friend, who he played pool with in the bar and sparred with in the boxing ring. Daniel, sorry, Danny was sentenced to prison. There in prison, he continued to brawl and fight. Until one day he decided to go to a spiritual meeting. They call them spiritual meetings. And there he heard of a man called Jesus. Somehow he got hold of a Bible and he started reading and learning about this man, Jesus. And he, he was kind of drawn to Jesus. Then he decided to go to the chapel and listen to some preaching. And there was a chaplain that was preaching Christ crucified. And there Daniel was convicted. Danny, sorry. And Daniel knew that if he died today, he would go to hell. He knew he was living a rebellious life. He was living in darkness and heading for hell. And then after talking with the chaplain after the services and reading his Bible, God saved him. And he still took up his Bible and read it. And now he gave the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to cleanse him and convict him of his sin. And in prison he realized when he gets out of this place, he wants to marry. He wants to have children. And he wants to have a life. A simple life. And hopefully go and get a degree in theology. And he did. Eventually he was released. And when he was released, he did marry. He did have children. He did study theology. And then 10 years later, after all of this, he decided to go and visit this prison. And he rang the bell. And the intercom asked who he was. And he says, my name's Danny. And then he went through the first glass doors and he went into a cubicle. He had to ring the bell again. And he had to say his name. And they asked him, who are you? And he said, my name's Danny. And I asked him again, who are you? He said, I'm Danny. I'm the new chaplain to this prison. God, in his sovereignty, turned this man's life around for his glory and for his good. That's why God's ways and his thoughts are far greater than ours. Sovereignty is a mystery as well. Don't try to work God out. You can't. And Paul tells us that God accomplishes all things according to the counsel of His will, which means that God works according to His own will. God is sovereign and He does as He pleases. Scripture says, in His heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines His steps. 
That's why through this whole lockdown, I've been encouraging us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. So He can help us to navigate through lockdown, through this pain, through what this virus has caused. And who's sovereign over this virus? Our Heavenly Father. Who's allowed this virus to come into this world? Our Heavenly Father. Who's going to help us through the circumstances that this virus has caused, the painful circumstances? Our Heavenly Father. But before we look at our second essential point to help us to put back our confidence in the sovereignty of God, let me just recap on our first point. And our first point last Sunday was God is sovereign. Our God is sovereign. But let's start with this. Let's be cautious on how we talk to people about the doctrine of sovereignty. Because it is a tough doctrine. It's a hard doctrine to get our finite minds around. To to understand it. A lot of Christians out there think that God is only sovereign over good. And that when evil happens and bad things happen, it's Satan. Well, if God wasn't sovereign over Satan, we wouldn't be sitting here today. You can really be grateful and thankful that God is sovereign over Satan. That God will allow us never to fall into any temptation that we cannot handle. Our God is a gracious God. So whatever circumstance you gain through today, God is giving you enough grace and wisdom to get through it with His help, if you're willing to look to Him and cry to Him for mercy and grace. We've got to learn as a church and as people to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow Christ according to His teachings and trust Him. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Our God is sovereign over everything. He's regulating all our affairs, and it's not the devil. Just to read something here. Scripture nowhere shows God as directly doing anything evil, but rather as bringing about evil deeds through the willing actions of moral creatures. Moreover, Scripture never blames God for evil or shows God as taking pleasure in evil. And Scripture never excuses human beings for the wrong they do. Danny was responsible for knocking over that man and killing him. And there were ramifications. But God, in His sovereign will, and His his responsibility, is God's responsibility and is man's responsibility. Help Danny get through it and use Danny for his glory back in this prison, preaching the word. When when things are crooked in our lives, we should go to scripture. Look what Solomon writes. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? God can straighten what he has made crooked. God is the one that brings the circumstance into our life that is painful, that brings suffering, brings tears. And He's the one that we can look to to help us 
to make what is crooked straight again. Because He's growing our character. He's refining us. He's sanctifying us. He wants us to have a better joy, a better love, faithfulness, kindness, goodness, self-control. Only God in His sovereignty and love and wisdom can make things that He has made crooked and straight again in our lives. We just need to be patient. We need to trust Him. The Christ on the throne overrules evil for good. If you don't believe me, just go and read Genesis chapter 37 to the end. And whose life do we see in Genesis chapter 37 onwards? Joseph. Look what happened to Joseph. His brothers tried to kill him. Tried to murder him. Then they sold him into slavery. Then a captain guard, Potiphar, bought him as a slave. Then he was thrown into prison. This all happened from about age 16 to 17 to 30. For 13 years, God was bringing suffering and pain into Joseph's life. To refine him, to mold him, to make him into the man. So that when he was second in charge of Egypt, he would have a humble heart. Not a proud heart. And then his brothers came along for food. And look what happened at the end in Genesis chapter 50. Joseph says to his brothers, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. The crucifixion. Man meant it for evil. God meant it for good. So we can have salvation in Christ Jesus. So when you, when you are sitting before someone, be gentle. It's easy to say, God is sovereign over your life. He will take care. No, that, that person that you're talking to is also hoping you're going to pray for them. Hoping you're going to encourage them. Hoping you will take them out for coffee and, and, and build them up in Christ Jesus to make them strong and courageous. Look how Jesus came alongside Peter after he denied him three times. That hurt Peter. That he wept bitterly. That would have played on his mind. And then Jesus had the opportunity to share a meal with Peter and ask him three times, do you love me? That's God's grace and mercy. We should be gracious and merciful to people as well who are struggling with the sovereignty of God. We must get rid of our self-righteous attitude. God is sovereign. And that is our first essential that we looked at last week to, to help us. To, to help us to become more confident in the sovereignty of God. As we look at our second essential, and our second essential to help us to put back our confidence in the sovereignty of God, to trust God's sovereignty in both good circumstances and bad circumstances, and our second essential is our responsibility. Some people think it's all God. Let go and let God. Come, let God. He'll take care of your problem. You just sit back. Just lay back in your hammock and relax. God will take care of it. We're still responsible. We're responsible to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you to do good will and pleasure for you. 
That's why God has put His Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit indwells us. Not only for God's love to be poured out into our heart, which we need. We desperately need love in this world today. And that love should be shining through Christians to the unlovely, to the wicked, to the stranger, to the enemy. But He's given us His Spirit to, to dethrone us, to take us off our own throne so He can be on the throne and He can guide us to be responsible Christian men and women to bring Him glory and honour. And this is why I bring up our responsibility. Because some people think it cancels out our responsibility. That we can just sit back. You know, God brought this problem into my life. Don't worry. He's going to take care of it. I can carry on doing as I please. Hopefully we don't think like that. Hopefully we, we see that there are two things that we need to do. To be responsible godly men and women. To be responsible disciples of Jesus Christ. To be responsible Christians. And these two things is living a prayerful life and living a prudent Christian life. But before we look at these two sub-points under our second essential thing to help us, which is our responsibility, we need to know there's such a word called fatalism. Fatalism is the belief that what will be, will be. It doesn't matter what I do. Since all past, present and future events have already been determined by God. So what can I do? What does it look like in the real world? Well, fatalism looks like this. You drive your car through Robertson and one day you decide to jump a robot. Or when there's no robot, jump a stop street. And you crash into another car. You get out, you chat with the person, you say you're sorry, you take down details and say, don't worry, insurance will sort this out, etc. And then you walk away and you say, I'm glad this one is over. God determined this to be. It does not matter what I do. That's how people think. For sure it does matter how we live. It sure does matter what we do. We are responsible to get in our cars and stop at stop streets and drive the required speed limit. But when we say, like I said, God determined this to be, it does not matter what I do. Basically what we're saying is, what will be will be, which is not true. It's like writing an exam. You can study hard, but then you fail, and you, can, and you can excuse it by saying, you know what, God is sovereign, and He determined that I should fail. It doesn't matter. If I study hard, God determines I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. Both those attitudes are foolish. We are responsible. How responsible have we been during lockdown? But under the same breath, God is not looking for perfect Christians. We all fall and we all sin. And thank God for His grace and His mercy. And thank God for forgiveness. But God is looking for obedience in our lives. Why? Because we have been saved into an obedient faith. 
We have been given the Holy Spirit to help us to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow Christ. To stop doing the unlawful things that we did or the rebellious things that we did or who cares what I do, doesn't matter. He has put His Spirit in us to help us. To live prayerful lives. That's the first sub-point we want to look at. To live prayerful lives. That's our responsibility. If we have knowledge of God's sovereignty, then that should encourage us to pray. When we are in a situation, and that's coming to our life, if it's our fault or not our fault, we are responsible to live prayerful lives before God, and we are responsible to pray. Let's not always excuse it and let's say, well, just let go. God will sort it out. There was a time when Peter and John were teaching Jesus the resurrection in Acts chapter 4. And they were arrested by the council and the Sadducees. And they were told by the Jewish Sanhedrin not to preach at all in the name of Jesus. And when they left, what did they do? Did they go and report it to their Christian friends and then decide if God is sovereign over all, He can and will sort this problem out. Let's just leave it up to God. Is that what they did? What did they do? They seek God in prayer. They cried out, they cried out to the Creator God for wisdom, for boldness. They didn't take their problem to God. That's amazing. They asked for boldness and strength to keep preaching faithfully that Jesus Christ crucified. Preaching His words and His works which they were called to witness. They prayed because they knew that all authority had been given to Jesus. And they were tr trusting in Jesus and he's all authority that was given to him to make straight what was made crooked. And the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them the boldness to go out there, keep preaching about Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Someone said, prayer assumes the sovereignty of God. If God is not sovereign, we have no assurance that he is able to answer our prayers. Yes, we know the God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of people. But how can anybody worship another God that is not sovereign, that is not in complete control of the universe, that is impersonal, that doesn't know you by name, that doesn't talk to you? You talk to it all the time, you serve it all the time. But we serve a great God, a living God, who's involved in our lives, who actually indwells us, and our bodies now are a temple of God. Our bodies have been bought with the precious blood of Christ. We're not our own. We're these stepping stones that have been built up into our holy temple. If we are praying always, that is showing us that we have confidence in God's sovereignty. And trusting 
in God's sovereignty. If you're reading the Old Testament, you will see how Daniel, Nehemiah, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, how they all prayed and trusted in God's sovereignty, no matter what the situation looked like. And a lot of the time it was, it was death staring down the barrel of the gun. Yet they chose to trust God's sovereignty. And that showed, you just go read their prayers. And you see the prayerful life they had. Our second sub-point is living a prudent life. We should be living prudent lives before God. That's our responsibility. A life marked out by wisdom and, and discernment and, and, and se- being sensible in what we do. Common sense. We all know that if we drink too much, which we shouldn't as Christians, and get behind the wheel, there's the risk of us killing ourselves or killing someone else. It's common sense, isn't it? Yet we do it. Because of our stubborn, dark, hard heart, our stiff-neckedness, our stiff-neckedness. But as Christians, our minds have been enlightened. We know that, that, that it's wrong. First of all, it's unbiblical. And we know that we love our neighbor, so we won't get into a car. Because that's a neighbor that we could kill. I thank God for His grace and mercy in my own life, my common grace, in His common grace that I once rolled and flipped a car five o'clock in the morning under the influence. And it's only by God's common grace I stand. The only thing I did was I scratched my hand. I was the only person in the car. car was a write-off. And I climbed out that car because of my stupidity. My foolishness. Did I know better? No. We need more prudent lives in this world, especially amongst Christians. We need to take God's knowledge of His sovereignty and we need to apply it so we do not harm ourselves and harm other people as we walk through suffering, as we walk through struggles. I love Nehemiah, what he did when he was rebuilding the walls. And some men came and threatened him that if he continues the work, they're going to come and attack them and kill them. What did Nehemiah do? Did he call a meeting? Did he say to the guys, don't worry, God is sovereign. Let's have faith. We just carry on working. Is is that what he did? I don't want to step on toes with other churches, but it's the same thing. Let's just come to church. Take our masks off. Let's have faith. Look, we don't have faith. We're all sitting with our masks on. We're not trusting God. Look, we're all sitting with our masks on. Is that the kind of faith that God calls us to? Because Nehemiah, look what he does. He goes to the men and he says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray and we're going to seek 
God who fights for us, but at the same time you're going to work with a tool in your one hand and you're going to work with a spear in your other hand for protection. That's prudence. That's common sense. That's not saying let's have faith and let's just do as we please. Trust God. No. Nehemiah trusted in God's wisdom and he he got the men to equip themselves with spears, shields, bows and armor. And he used the available means to help the situation as well as believing that God is sovereign and God will fight for them. But they are also responsible to fight. I think of, of, of Jesus, of how he, how he suffered and how he trusted in his Father's sovereignty through both the bad and the good times. There was a time when, when he stood before Pilate and Pilate said to Jesus, you don't realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you. And he's talking to Jesus. I have power to free you, Jesus, or I have power to kill you. What did Jesus say? Did he say, don't worry, my father is a father of love, so nothing's going to happen to me. Carry on doing what you want. My father's a father of love. He's not going to do anything to me. Is that what Jesus said? Jesus replied, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Evil people have so much power but praise God that He controls it. That should bring confidence to trust God in His sovereignty and knowing what our responsibility is and that is to trust God. It's like you are planning to leave Robertson and go live somewhere else. What's the prudent thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? Find out if there's a church in the place where you're going. Then seek God's will. Is it His will for you to leave? Because you might be leaving thinking, well, it's, it's green on the other side. And James warns us, if the Lord, the Lord wills for you to go there or there, then you go. We should always seek wise and godly counselling. We should pray about it. We should, we should seek God. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. Half the time people's plans fail because they don't seek God prayerfully. And they're not responsible enough to go and seek wisdom from the pastor or from friends that will give them true counselling. So our second essential to help us to have confidence in the sovereignty of God in both the good and the bad times, which is our responsibility. Will we, will we become responsible Christians? These two essentials that we looked at, God's sovereignty and our responsibility. Will we trust God? Will we look to the cross where Jesus was crucified? Where there we see, and I mentioned earlier on, there we see God's sovereignty. 
Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, but you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised them up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to behold in its power. God, man meant it for evil. God meant it for good. When it came to the crucifixion, the death and the murder of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Let this be a challenge for our finite minds. Let this not just... Uh, I can't, I can't grasp this. Believe. We walk by faith. We believe in the God's sovereignty. Let's believe that God is sovereign. No matter what's going on in your life, it's a, if it's a bad circumstance, God is sovereign over it. And if you turn to Him and be a responsible, obedient Christian, pray, pray to Him and Walk prudently with Him, uprightly, humbly. Trust Him with His sovereignty. He is sovereign over our life. Let's trust in God's sovereignty. Let's put this doctrine into practice. Let's not talk one thing and do another thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We can look to you for wisdom and guidance. Thank you that you are a, a faithful God. That your steadfast love never ceases. Your mercies are new every morning. And thank you we can come to you and ask you to forgive us for not trusting in your sovereignty. Help our unbelief, Father. But help us now to grow up in your sovereignty, Father. Help us to, to look to you for wisdom and guidance. Help us to trust you in your sovereignty. Please, Father, be merciful to all of us. Help us to take our eyes off self and fix them on Christ Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who is sovereign over our lives. All authority has been given to him. He knows our sitting down. He knows our lying. He knows everything. He knows every careless word that's going to come out of our mouth later on. Help us to look to him, Father. Please give us wisdom to look to Jesus, in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, so we can trust in your sovereignty. As we come to the Lord's Supper, Father, help us to reflect on what he has accomplished for us. To bring us to you, Father, so we can walk in a way that is worthy of our calling, in a manner worthy of our calling. Please, Father, help us. Be merciful to us. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.